All right, it's November 7th, which means it's time for the Daily Spinner Rack. I'm Dan, regular host of the Comic Book Pit podcast, here to talk about the day's random comic book. So today's pick from my collection is the supersized, star-studded, 200th issue of the Justice League of America, published by DC Comics on, let's see, March 1982. This sucker is 72 pages, no ads, and a letter from Jerry Conway that fills the inside front cover and inside back cover, all for a price of $1.50. Talk about star-studded. So, uh, written by Jerry Conway, art by George Perez, Pat Broderick, Jim Aparo, Dick Giordano, Gil Kane, Carmine Infantino, Brian Boland, and Joe Kubert. I mean, any one of those guys, just a classic, classic artist. Inks by Brett Breeding, Terry Austin, Jim Aparo, Dick Giordano, Gil Kane, Frank Giacoa, Brian Boland, and Joe Kubert. Colors by Carl Gafford, Tatiana Wood, Adrian Roy, and Anthony Tolan. Letters by John Costanza, edited by Len Wein. And I don't know if this is what they called the editor-in-chief, but there is no editor-in-chief listed, but Dick Giordano is listed as the quote-unquote managing editor. So this is it. This is a big, big mamma-jamma issue of Justice League. Again, issue number 200. This is a huge huge book. I never really read any old Justice Leagues. Um, I really didn't get into the Justice League until the mid-80s with uh, with the reboot of the Justice League after Legends, which was the Giffen, DeMatteis, Kevin McGuire, Bwahaha era of Justice League. I never really read a lot of classic Justice League, but if I were to read an issue, this would be the one that I would want to read. It was amazing. <laughs> First of all, um, so it's called A League Divided, and let's start with the the cover of this, which is an amazing George Perez wraparound cover, full of action. You've got you've got the new like the next generation of Justice Leaguers, which are referred to as the Satellite Leaguers, because the next generation they had the the, the Justice League Satellite, which was always kind of a cool thing. So you had eight satellite leaguers, which are uh, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Zatanna, Firestorm, Elongated Man, Adam, Hawkman, and Red Tornado. And they are fighting against the original seven members of the league. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. It's just, again, a great cover. There's something about heroes fighting heroes. It's just like a classic comic book trope. It's always kind of fun. This cover is just dynamic. So when the story opens, it takes us back to the origin of the League as chronicled in Justice League of America number 9, so way back in the day. In that story, the heroes individually found themselves up against aliens that arrived from their planet called... Appalachs, 
traveling, and they each traveled to Earth in a meteorite. After that victory against the aliens, um, the heroes decided to join forces, should they ever be faced with another threat as serious as this one, and hence the Justice League of America was formed. Each team took the remains of the meteorites that contained the aliens in them and buried them around the planet where they've all remained dormant. Dot, 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 until now. So flash forward until the, to the present, and the founding members are on this mysterious mission to gather the meteorites that they buried years previous. Now the thing is, the new generation of the League knows something is wrong because they're not acting like themselves, and they attempt to face their teammates down in a uh, series of showdowns. So this, so this, you can kind of see where this is going. This book is broken up into chapters with, you know, the old leaguers fighting the new leaguers and the various uh, artists tackling each story. So the first one is Firestorm versus Martian Manhunter. Firestorm's alone on monitor duty in the satellite when the satellite is attacked by the Martian Manhunter in the first confrontation. And this one's drawn by Pat Broderick. His fear of fire puts Martian Manhunter at a slight disadvantage, but his myriad of other abilities are enough to easily defeat Firestorm and escape with the first meteorite, which was uh, stored on the satellite. At that point, that's when the satellite leaguers show up to find out what happened after Firestorm puts out a... (laughs) Not a priority signal, not a double priority signal, but a triple priority signal. It's like double seeker probation, I guess. Uh, so the the second generation leaguers split up to take on their teammates before the remaining meteorites are collected. Even former Justice League mascot Snapper Carr shows up because as an honorary league member, he also responded to Firestorm Signal and he actually helps coordinate the team on Earth from the satellite. Jim Aparo is up next for the battle between Aquaman and Red Tornado. And the Phantom Stranger has a has a brief appearance in this story. And he sets up the action as Aquaman races to find where he left his meteorite fragment, which was near the Indian Ocean. Aquaman leaps from the ocean and is blasted by this enormous gust of wind. And the panel is a great example of Jim Aparo's ability to draw dynamic figures as... Aquaman is just completely overwhelmed by the strength of Red Tornado's fury. Aquaman returns the favor, and Red Tornado appears to be down for the count. Phantom Stranger actually intervenes, unbeknownst to Aquaman, to keep Tornado unconscious, allowing Aquaman to fulfill his mission. The next match pits Zatanna against Wonder Woman in a battle that takes us to Paradise Island. This sequence is drawn by longtime Wonder Woman artist Dick Giordano. Zatanna and Hippolyta confront Wonder Woman to question her about her confused state. Her reaction is she tosses an enormous stone tile at the two. Zatanna quickly deflects the stone by making a column of earth rise up from the ground. The battle becomes more elemental as Zatanna tries to subdue Wonder Woman with a blast of rushing water. 
but using her magic lasso in a really cool way, Wonder Woman actually sends the wave of water hurtling back at Zatanna. And the sorceress doesn't even have a moment to say pots <laughs> before she is nearly drowned. Wonder Woman then, of course, hops in her invisible jet because this was the era of the invisible jet and flies away. The next story, longtime Green Lantern artist Gil Kane draws the confrontation between Green Lantern and the Atom. And Kane was definitely at the top of his game here. The splash page featuring Adam knocking Green Lantern off of his feet was one of this story's best images. And come to think of it, actually every matchup has a great splash page. It didn't occur to me until I was reading this particular story, but then I went back and then read forward and found every splash page for every story, and it's just really neat. So in this, the the Adam attempts to, you know, uh, they're fighting, but the Adam attempts to reason with Green Lantern. Green Lantern pauses, which causes the Adam to pause, and then Green Lantern catches him by surprise and incapacitates him. Okay, the next story, comics legend Carmine Infantino has two of his co-creations go toe-to-toe when the Flash and Elongated Man duke it out in Italy. Flash just speeds through this battle, still not recognizing Elongated Man because he's also in a confused state. He stops only long enough to play possum, and he gets the upper hand on Ralph. Uh, Cut to a meeting of the original League, who have brought the meteorites that they've collected thus far to the site of their original headquarters, which I believe was in a cave. They're confused because they get to their old headquarters, and it looks like you know, they think no time has passed since they first formed, but the state of the cave would beg to differ. It looks like it's been kind of abandoned. It's in disarray. It's in shambles. And there are a few other inconsistencies that have the original leaguers scratching their heads. In the next match, we've got Black Canary and Green Arrow taking on Batman. And this is drawn by Brian Boland, which... If you know Brian Boland, you probably know him more for his cover art than his sequential art, although he is famous for for drawing uh, The Killing Joke. I don't think, you know, his, his body of sequential work probably isn't as big as his body of, you know, his, his cover art, or at least he's probably more known for his cover art. So to see him do sequential work, even in, a, you know, just a few pages was just a treat. There's just there's no mistaking Ollie's fury and being taken down so easily by Batman. I mean, it's Batman, so of course, you know, he's going to win. The next matchup, you know, this one's not going to go go down not going to go well, but someone had to go up against Superman, and I guess Hawkman drew the short straw. <laughs> but I tell you what, you know, um, kudos to Hawkman for being confident flying into action against Superman armed with an arsenal of medieval weaponry, basically. But the the best part of this of, of this story is just the artwork of Joe Kubert. Uh, again, another industry legend. Uh, Hawkman takes down a couple of Superman's uh, robots easily. Um, Superman actually used the robots to help him acquiring the meteor because they were laced with uh, kryptonite, which I 
maybe forgot to mention. So eventually, Superman decides to stop wasting time with the robots, and he actually comes out of hiding to fight Hawkman himself, and he he clocks him a good one, sends Hawkman literally off the planet, out of or you know into orbit, drifting into space, where um, we get another cameo. We get to see Adam Strange because Hawkman is inadvertently uh, snagged by the Zeta uh, the Zeta beam, which takes him to Ran. Adam Strange, he's like, oh damn, that's my friend Hawkman. So he he calls the satellite, gets in touch with the, the satellite league, and he's like, look, I got Hawkman here. I'm going to send him back using the Zeta Beam, but I can only send him back into space where we picked him up. So someone's got to go out and get him. So they shoot him back into space. Elongated Man stretches from the satellite out into space and gets Hawkman and reels him back in. So now with all seven meteorites collected, the Appalax aliens rise out of them and confront the original league. So the, you know, the original league had no problem taking out the, the newbies, you know, the satellite league, but they actually got their butts handed to them by the aliens that ironically brought them together years before. The aliens then they leave. They've got you know they've got an agenda, so they leave. A little while later, the satellite league shows up. You know they're they're battered, they're beaten, but you know these are their teammates. So everyone apologizes. They talk it out. They hug it out, and then they do what comes naturally. And there's this awesome like fist pumping moment where there's this big double page group shot. And they then go racing across the world to go after the aliens that caused all this in the first place. Uh, what follows next is three more short chapters of action as the League separates into three teams comprised of new and old members. So basically the Appalax aliens are using Earth as a battleground. They're fighting one another to the death to determine which of them will rule Earth. This was done by George Perez, who also drew the opening of the book and the interludes. And he just did an amazing job with these final three chapters. And he gave each each member some time to shine. The book eventually comes to a close after the League's victory over the aliens. Those that weren't dispatched were captured or actually kind of um, returned to their meteorite state and broken up. And they took the broken remains and tossed them into the sun. And then Green Arrow decided to return to the team full time. And it's kind of a funny, uh, just a funny ending. Firestorm finds that he's kind of, uh, he's adopted Snapper Carr's annoying habit of snapping his beatnik fingers. So this was just a great issue. This was so much fun. Just some classic DC, not only the characters... But the creators, I mean, it just doesn't get much better than this. I would highly recommend seeking this book out, if not for the art, just the nostalgia for the the fun of reading these classic characters again in their you know their their classic looks, and classic uniforms, and everything. So that's all for Justice League of America number two hundred, and for this episode of Daily Spinner Rack. Make sure to visit every day for a new review of a random back issue from my collection. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>